we've spent 20 years more than now bickering bickering yeah, yeah, yeah. having <laughs> ha- having tooth and nail arguments broken up by extended periods of bickering right and this is this is not by anyone's definition a positive discussion we disagree and we come away from the thing not having reached any agreement and thinking that you're bald wanker for example but that <laughs> <laughs> escalated quickly Friends, enemies, welcome to Bad Voltage Season 3, Episode 20, goodness me, 4. Um, Something. <laughs> episode yes. 24, I had to look it up then. Um, I'm Stuart Langridge, I'm here with John O'Bacon and Alan Pope, special guest. Hello. Oh, it's very <laughs> nice to have you here. We prefer you much more than Jeremy. That, of that's course. not um, kind, is it? Jeremy has unfortunately been um, uh, called away, so we, uh, we, we reached out to Mr. Pope, who decided yes. to come and help us. Thank you very much. Who, You're literally, welcome. with about an hour's notice, was able to step into the hot seat. So well, thank you, Popey. You know, we appreciate I have a very it. busy calendar at the moment. You know, <laughs> lots on <laughs> about the place, you know, flights to catch and all that. So it's a nice br- it's, it's a nice break away from drinking Stella and eating curry while crying into episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, then. Hey, shut up about Buffy, you. Right? <laughs> 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 Also, and more importantly, despite the fact that um, we only yanked Popey into this about an hour and a half ago, he's still better prepared than Jono is. So it's true. I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna, not gonna deny it. Um, so uh, on today's show, we are going to talk about later on. We're going to talk about um, a, a, an exciting new development that's occurred that you might not have read about in the news yet because it hasn't really been officially uh, launched. The embargo is still open, where the three of us have actually been nominated as leaders for all of the social media companies in the whole world, uh, which is very, apart from MySpace, because no one cares. Um, and we are going to come up with the rules for how social media can be done well. Um, and, you know, not have it be this toxic, horrible shit show that it often is. So we're going to fix the world later on in today's show. We are. But first of all, we have some news. So surprise, it's been a while. It has been a terribly long while. So Jono kicks off. Well, why don't we start out with a a nice, interesting, classy uh, first example here of of great news. And um, this is that a rooster uh, killed a man during a banned cockfight. Um, Is there any ambiguity about what the term cockfight means in this story? (laughs) I don't think there's any ambiguity at all. It means fighting with a cock. What did you think it meant? (laughs) Are we really... What, we're like two and a half minutes in and we're really you, getting... You put this on the list. Um, to be clear, <laughs> I'm talking about I'm talking about an illegal animal-related boxing match and the animal in question killed the illegal perpetrator of the animal-related boxing. I yeah. think this is quite cool. I did think, first of all, cockfights are not cool, for God's sake, man. Well, no, the cockfight <laughs> is not cool and, frankly, the rooster killing the guy isn't really cool, but it is, it's quite amusing. I did, um, I did think, at first, that... 
maybe this was Rooster versus Man, but no, it was Rooster versus Rooster, and the man was a bystander. I was, I was about there to say innocent bystander, and decided that maybe I shouldn't. Did the roosters have weapons? Was he collateral? In- it had a blade tied to its leg. <laughs> <laughs> so this is on ABC News, right? This isn't on, you know, some stupid random blog or something like that. And the strap line in the article says, a man has been killed by a rooster with a blade tied to its leg during a legal cockfight in Southern India. Yeah, it's unfortunate. A, thing. a weaponized rooster. Weaponized rooster is the name of the show. It should, is. I was should. about to say it's the name of my next band, but it's not it's the name of the show, and I'm actually writing it down. <laughs> this is terribly sad. I... I can't stop giggling while thinking about this. I mean, it's awful. It's terrible. It's really bad that someone died. Yeah. It's a th- at the hands. It's three it's inch hands, knife. Is it? It's at the wings of a rooster. At the <laughs> feet of a rooster. I think that was a song by Madness, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. I didn't think this sort of thing went on anymore. I thought it went away in Victorian times, along with bear baiting and things like that, but apparently I mean, not. I, the, the 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 notion of a cockfight is in itself horrible. <laughs> Popey, hold it together. <laughs> but the the notion of a rooster fight is bad enough. Um, but I didn't realise that they were tying blades to these animals. That was new to me. So um, anyway, yes. yes this so is, this that's is, an interesting one. So it's all very disturbing. Um, another thing. Ha- uh, have you come across the idea of Twitter Spaces? I heard about this this week. Yeah, now, I, is it? I hadn't heard of these before. Um, and I'm still not 100% sure what they are. It seems to be Twitter's version of... What's that thing that's mumble but for rich people with iPhones? Clubhouse. <laughs> Clubhouse, thank you. Um, it seems to be Twitter's version <laughs> of that. Um in the because okay. I thought what's this Twitter space and you go and read about it and first of all and this is the point where I felt generation gapped by Twitter it says um, spaces are public if you create a space your followers will see it in their fleets and I remember people talking about fleets and I don't know what they are either so well, this no, is, what is a fleet? like inception levels of Twitter stuff that they've made up that I don't understand or don't get because I don't have iOS whichever I, I don't know what I refuse to learn what fleets are the day that fleets came out and everyone said it's like something else in one other app i thought no i don't like the sound of that so i configured my twitter client to block the word fleet and fleets (laughs) which is a little unfortunate because the town over from where i live is fleet um is it unfortunate wow anyone runs particularly fast anywhere near you you just never find out right yeah there was um there was some like short video type thing that they added on Twitter. Is that Fleets? I don't I don't know what that was. I that actually that, don't that know was Periscope. No, there was something that was baked in because I remember seeing a weird icon in the Twitter app and I tapped on it and it was like short like Was this recently like, or was this remember? Vines? No, this is this was like two weeks ago. I have three a, weeks a capability for you to add video if you're a content creator, shall we say. Um, <laughs> well, or a media company. Thing. Spaces, um, uh, you can only view a space or listen to a space. It seems to be an audio thing, right? As far as I can tell, what happened, it's just a live audio chat. It's like, you know, phones. <laughs> except, except now it's, you know, social media, so it must be cool. But you've got to have iOS to listen to it. You've got to be part of the magic anointed group to create one. 
And I don't know how right. you get in the magic anointed group, but I'm assuming that everyone who does lives within about 15 miles of the Twitter offices. So there's a whole and- bunch of these <laughs> being created. There's, like you said, there's Clubhouse for the execs. Uh, there's also, I stumbled on an application which does work on Android called Stereo. And as soon as you launch it, you're dumped into a room with some randos in it who are chatting to each other. And they've got little avatars that that, that animate as they chat. And it's like listening to a live radio station, basically, or a podcast. Right. And you can, like, tune in to another show or whatever you want to call it. It's very... It's, I don't think it's really like phones. It's more like radio, online radio, talk radio. Well, it, yeah. it does seem to be sort of, yeah, uh, it's intended to be... A few people broadcast and a bunch of people show up to listen um, rather than everybody talks. I mean, I still don't understand quite how they're doing moderation since the other big let's get people together and they can talk to one another with audio thing that goes on is gaming. And having done online gaming, turning on, you know, the the speakers, hearing some 14-year-old kid call me gay and then I turn it off again. (laughs) This doesn't seem like that. No, it doesn't Straight feel like that the happy hunting ground for VC investment, to be honest well, with you. I think, so. I think as the creator of a space, I think you get to choose who you have that space with. It's not like the entire internet just show up and can all start talking at the same time, like a really bad mumble right. room. I mean, I would say that maybe we should we should try and embrace this new technology for, with bad voltage. But since we only got onto Spotify about two weeks ago, um, you you should probably look for Twitter Spaces in twenty twenty eight from bad voltage or something. <laughs> we'll also all need to get sent iPhone tens to be able to use it because <laughs> it, it doesn't work on Android. Is it iPhones ten? Plus, Jono's got an iPhone because he sold out. I do. Well, we covered this in detail in the show. I did. <laughs> also, you used to be an iPhone u- user. You just you sold out previously and then unsold out, and you will at some point sell back out. Again. I will. There's Absolutely. No <laughs> do you know? Do you know what made me switch from uh, from iOS to Android was walking through Wolverhampton with Stuart Langridge, who had an HTC Hero, and I was like, "Oh, that's really good." And I switched to Android at that point. It was really, good. really, yeah. Wow. It was also Positive Wolverhampton experience. That's it. The first. last time I had a phone that was too small. So <laughs> too, too small. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, With ser- your little child. Hand. No, no. Here, seriously, you should at some point attempt to find a phone from the early days, because even a phone that you remember being big, like a Nexus One or something like that, which was you know a, a normal. It, you didn't think of it as small at the time. You pick it up now. You're like, what the hell is this to be postage stamp? What the hell have you got there, John O'Bacon? <laughs> This is going to be great on a uh, on a uh, he's, audio show. Listeners, he's, is, he's holding up a phone about as old my, as I am to the camera. This is my Nokia N73. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when phones on the back of them, you'd have like a little thing, you'd slide it back to show the camera. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. I, I, fa- I literally found this the other day and I, I bought a, a charger off Amazon to see if it would charge so I could look at it and it didn't work. <laughs> but you can buy chargers for old cell phones. Can you... Can they even talk to the network anymore? Uh, Didn't everything become Edge rather than GSM or whatever? Looking forward to browsing the web and WAP. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What, the Cardi B? So, (laughs) (laughs) when that song came out, I was very confused. (laughs) I'm I'm still waiting for WAP 1.1 to come out. Uh, So, next news item. Popey, give us some, some, uh, some sugar. So there is a law uh, being 
mooted in the EU for right to repair. And the headline says the new right to repair law requires technology to last for a decade. So your phone is perfect for this. Um, it is. Uh, it's. Uh, but hold your horses. This isn't actually for phones. It's more for things like domestic appliances, like uh, you know, tumble dryers, dishwashers, washing machines, and right. TVs. Yeah. But specifically excluded are laptops and phones, which is a bit of a shame. But the, I think the idea really? behind this is to uh, increase the culture of people having access to uh, repair manuals for devices, if you can call a washing machine a device, um, <laughs> and uh, they should be repairable with standard tools, so not you know pentalobe screws on your uh, washing machine. Yeah, and so, so, yeah on. so they so they can't put things which need the magic screwdrivers in, which is going to screw apple completely above further they're not is this a is this a rule in the eu is this a rule in the eu that that requires manufacturers to um is it that you can access the manuals and you can get into them for 10 years is that that's the goal they can be repaired right well it's so they have to provide parts for the next 10 years. yes that's the goal is to provide parts so you can keep maintaining the thing for a period of time beyond the initial warranty period which might be up to three years for example that's interesting and yeah they have think about that have to provide parts for up to a decade but um, they're allowed to only provide parts to professional repair companies if they're a particularly complicated part like they're not gonna necessarily sell you a magnetron for a microwave oven on its own because you'll just use it to build a laser gun or something but (laughs) not sure that's how laser guns work but okay um i i i I defy you to tell me how they do work then no well, what I can tell you is my experience of repairing home appliances when they have broken. Because I've, I've had a look around the kitchen and every single appliance in my kitchen is is 10 years or older. Um, like the dishwasher and washing machine and, and fridges and everything. And I looked at just the sorry state of some of them <laughs> because I've had them for so long. Um, tumble dryer went at some point and I managed to get a, um, an, a new element because the element burnt out. And I repaired that myself, and I just watched some rando on YouTube take his on apart. On YouTube, yeah. yeah. Um, I repaired my uh, dishwasher as well. That broke. Something got stuck, and I figured out. Watched a YouTube tutorial from some guy. The one that I haven't been able to repair is the fridge. The ice drawer thing is broken, and it's apparently a piece of plastic that's very known to be brittle and, and uh, very hard to get hold of. And I just can't find the bit to repair that ice tray. So in this case... I would have benefited from this law had it been 10 years ago because I may have been able to buy the part from the manufacturer, which I just can't get hold of right now. See, this I, I thought this was interesting because my initial thought when they started talking about this was, yeah, it sounds good in theory, but in practice it's not good because there are no longer electricians because it's not financially viable. There used to be. When I was growing up, there was an electrician in the, in the town, in the village where I grew up, and you would take your toaster or your kettle or whatever in there if it broke and he would fix it but now it's not worth it because for him to spend you know for an electrician to think okay i'll spend two hours looking at this they're going to charge you 50 quid or something because that's how much it costs to keep the lights on and you can go and buy a new one for 25 so everyone just chucks things away and therefore manufacturers respond by making things which just fall apart in about four years and yeah then, unless you buy dual it toasters obviously so you don't need to give of course. Us the sales pitch which you were about to do i suspect um but what i think is interesting about this is exactly what you've just said Popey, that 
you can fix it yourself with a YouTube yeah. video and a bit of gumption and a screwdriver. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I'm not a particularly DIY kind of guy and I'm not a maker or anything like that. So I'm not, I don't walk around with a soldering iron in my hand all the time. But if I'm uh, sufficiently motivated and not having any clean clothes is a good motivator to <laughs> fix the washing machine, then I'm going to fix it. Also, having everyone else not having any clean clothes means that everyone else in the house motivates me to do it. And I will fix it myself and I'll figure it out and buy the parts and, and sort it out. And if I if there was ready access and I knew that I could go to Bosch and buy the part from Bosch or I knew that there would be an instruction manual, I could definitely download and I don't have to go on archive.org in order to find it, then that would make me a lot happier. The only concern, the only, I think it's a, it seems like a good idea to me. I mean, there's no reason mm -hmm. why people shouldn't have the manuals available, certainly. The only concern I have a little bit is when it comes to the parts piece, I wonder if this could be a bit of a problem for smaller companies building appliances, like for Bosch and people like that, and for Samsung, then it, it shouldn't be an issue because they can have, they've got the money to build a lot of inventory of all the parts that they're going to need for devices that are 10 years old. But if you're like brand new, let's say you're crowdfunding a new gadget or something like that, being able to maintain parts, that I wonder, my worry is that it will put, it'll be difficult for smaller companies to do that. Well, maybe they should open source the parts and allow other people to oh, manufacture well, them. I, I bet you. Yeah, if, of all if, the things that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, bear in mind that most of the parts we're talking about here, because computers and smartphones are excluded, most of the parts we're talking about here are not going to be electronics. They're going to be cogs and stuff. That's not right? true. If you yeah, go and buy any oven today, they're all computerized. Yeah, but it, I bet you it's not the computer that breaks down. It's things like the element. Yeah, I don't know. I think that, like, for example, if you go and buy an oven, it's got, like, I saw one the other day, a friend's house, um, that where if you press the button, the little thing pops out with the LED display. That's It's only a matter of time before that thing breaks. It, it, might, um, it might do for you, mates, with Captain Bloody Kirk. I, every oven I've ever seen has the same clock in it, where you have to press the two buttons together to set the clock yeah, every time there's every a power cut. Every oven you've ever seen is your oven, okay? There's more <laughs> ovens out there. Mine also has the same basic bitch display that uh, Stuart. This is what I'm. This is what I'm. I mean, yes, I have seen in shops the ones where you get a little picture of roast chicken. And it talks to you and stuff. I don't know anyone who owns this one. <laughs> but we're gonna. My point is, is that we're gonna go down that route eventually, aren't we? You know, I mean, there's gonna be everything is getting computerized. I suppose, right? but on the argument that every car now has power steering, well, it's not like this special luxury anymore. Yeah, uh, right. True, but, I but, the, but all of and, these and having the aftermarket. I mean. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, you can get aftermarket parts for pretty much anything, right? Which is good. Um, but it's just whether they that's have such, to come from that's the That's such a weapon. weird phrase. It always makes me think that you're going to get like a big whale tail spoiler and fit it on your oven. <laughs> thing is, all these appliances that are listed are all things that you would keep for a fair amount of time. Like my TV yeah. is nearly 10 years old. And for, yeah, all the appliances exactly. in the kitchen are long living things that you want to get the most out of. Even though they probably only cost a few hundred quid 10 years ago, you could probably do with renewing them, but they might even be more efficient and you would save money in the long term if you did replace it. But you want to fix it because that's the quick and easy and right thing to do from an ecological point of view, not creating a whole new thing to replace something where just a cog or the pump has gone. Yeah. And I think realistically, um, they excluded computers and 
smartphones because they would have got a million billion kajillion tons of pushback from the companies making them who are mm. notoriously terrible at supplying parts for things which are more than 15 minutes old but equally look at your nokia n73 in front of you Jono. right that's yeah. that's probably about that age and yeah while it would be cool to go look i could make this work do you actually want a 10 year old smartphone no right no. exactly i mean I, I think as a general rule, I think it makes a lot of sense. I'd like it to see it applied to things like, like I've got a pair of speakers on my desk here that are 10 years old. And I'd like to be able to, it's, uh, at some point, the driver's going to go in it. I'd like to be able to change the driver. Well, not me, obviously, because I'm crap at that kind of stuff. But people <laughs> should, be able to, should be able to do that. Now, <clears throat> I think we should move on and talk about social media. Um, so shall I introduce this and then we can yes. dig in and fix, fix, fix this social media problem that we seem to have. So let's start with what we think the problem is um, to make sure that we're all on the same page. I think it's fairly reasonable to come to the conclusion that social media has got many, many different benefits, right? It enables people to have a voice that they never had previously. People can share what they're doing with the world. It, people can build communities and companies and podcasts and whatever else. There's a lot of benefits to social media. <clears throat> However, human nature goes both ways. And uh, there is a lot of hatred on social media, a lot of anger. There's a lot of unconstructive conversation going on. There's a lot of conspiracy theories and just outright bullshit um, that's going on. And there's been a meme forming, I think, in recent years that um, social media has, on net, had a bit of a negative impact on humanity, which is a separate question. So we we want to challenge ourselves. If we were running Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and various other places, what would we do to fix this? Because we always complain about, you know, when you get conspiracy theorists and whoever else on and they get too much oxygen on twitter for example we always complain that the companies aren't doing enough but we're going to put ourselves in the position to say what should we be doing now a couple of quick things before we go on one we don't want to talk about names and we made this agreement before we're getting into this if we start mentioning specific people who are examples of bad behavior the conversation becomes about them and we don't want it to be about them we want it to be about the topic in general so we're not going to the odd name might come up here and there i don't think it will but if it does that's not the point of this the point is, what do we think needs to happen? And let's try and be realistic, right? Just closing Twitter down, Mr. Langridge, is not going to happen. <laughs> I, Looking at you very specifically I like that when I, it comes to these. I have to spot you that all the social media companies get together and put us in charge, but you're not, <laughs> but you're not prepared to spot me that the first thing we could do is just sell the, shut them down <laughs> shut, shut the companies down and keep all the money but fine it's, okay no that that is not the necessarily a bad argument you're making here. <laughs> this yeah. is what i'm saying but that was a quick I grant, segment. I grant i grant you your point yeah so our answer is we shut them down and then go down the pub on april 12th right okay there, yeah there, there is one other rule that we want to put in place in this conversation is that and this is kind of the 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 the, the test is where social media can be a place where it's not just an echo chamber where people who have very different views, let's say political views, people on the left, people on the right, for example, can have very different views and they can have a good, you know, robust debate about their views, but it doesn't descend to name calling, hatred, animus towards each other. So that's kind of the the the, the test. So, all right, what do we do? <laughs> Shall I go first? Yes. Right. So it is my contention 
that humans don't cope with and aren't ready for global scale conversations, most humans. So I think it's partly a question of scale uh, and diversity. I think it's a diversity problem because if you go back before we had social media, people generally spoke to a circle of friends physically, geographically near them. And they hung out with people who were like-minded. Often, maybe they might have a debate down the pub or at the social centre or wherever, the community centre or whatever that might be. But the volume of conversations was much lower. So I think because there is this huge volume of information coming at people in all these different places, I think that's part of the problem. And I have some suggestions for solutions for this, but that's my my initial thought is it's it's not necessarily a left-right thing. It's not necessarily a bad people, good people thing. It's just the sheer volume of information that's coming at you, I think, is, the, is part of the problem. I think you're right. If... I mean, I spent a week thinking about this. Um, oh, good! I spent half an hour thinking about. I know. This is not. This is not remotely a complaint um, because one of the thoughts I had was exactly that. That this is not peculiar to social media. I mean, I, I think it is for reasons I'll get into. But if you get, if you allow everyone to converse with everybody else, you almost force everyone to converse with everybody else, including people they fundamentally don't disagree with. Because as you said, you'd have conversations down the pub, but if it was someone who you really didn't like and argue with all the time, you'd just go to a different pub and then you'd never have to hear from them. And that, and that would be fine. Um, you're not forced to listen to their conversation. Um, so, Popey, your argument is basically that the whole concept of social media is not necessarily created in order to make people sad and angry, but it's an inevitable consequence of it. Well, I think it's that we're not prepared for the outcome. We went from zero to social media in five years or 10 years, however, whatever that period is. We had all the previous hundreds, thousands of years of social discourse and the way in which humans interact with each other. And then suddenly you've got millions of people all around the world all talking to each other who are from very different cultural backgrounds, have very different opinions and very different beliefs, all talking at each other and over each other and past each other which is something that didn't happen quite so much now i'm not I, i'm not suggesting that nobody ever left their village before social media existed but that was certainly less prevalent for people to talk to people in you know outer mongolia or whatever uh, but i think what you what you're zoning in on as well is that the space has an influence on the on the conduct like to, so to give an example you know linux user groups Right, people would get together, and people continue to get together in Linux user groups. Um, and you'll have people who have, like, when when we were doing Wolves Lug, just rabid disagreements about technology. Was but the fact that we're all in this, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but the fact that we're all in the same room, um, and there's a certain amount of like, it's just it's just socially inappropriate to really go for someone in the same way that someone would do it on social media. You wouldn't do that in person. Well, right? we'll, we'll just, extend extend that metaphor a bit to me social media feels a bit like we go to the moon underwater in wolverhampton to do wolves lug 
Um, but there are half a dozen other people in the pub, and we go and sit at their table and have a really <laughs> angry argument about whether apt or yum is better. Right? And because we 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 would have that kind of argument, and it would be teeth gritted, angry. But then afterwards, we'd have a beer, and it would all be fine. It wouldn't. There's no real anger there. Um, but we weren't subjecting people who weren't necessarily choosing to show up to that argument to it. And part of the, this is what I alluded to earlier about. I don't think it's just the global conversation in and of itself. It's because social media companies deliberately incentivize that kind of conversation. They deliberately put it in front of people who will be made annoyed by it and react by it because then they get more engagement. And engagement is, it, is the metric. Do they, though? H yes. Yeah. How is it that people can't just only follow... Why don't you, Philip then? Schofield and... No one does. Gary no one Lineker, does. and that's it. Yeah, I realise, at the point when you sign up for... It doesn't matter which social media platform, but let's take Twitter. Generally, you get encouraged. Here are, like, some people you should, in inverted commas, follow. And they, their never-ending stream of consciousness will get added to your your timeline, right? But you can say no. You could unfollow those people. Also, they don't. Twitter don't tell you to follow them. You choose to follow them. Right. It's not Twitter's fault that you choose to follow people that you don't particularly like. So you can see the drama unfolding. To be clear, I'm not for a moment suggesting that no one would ever I imagine the concept of hate retweeting without Twitter existing, right? <laughs> Which is. Uh, inevitably incoherent concept, but people would do that kind of thing anyway before Twitter were around. Twitter didn't create the desire in people to point to others and laugh with their friends, but they have made it much more visible and obvious when you do it. So it's in the pub analogy that you had earlier. It's someone going outside and saying, hey, they're having a fight in here and pulling more people in to come and have a look. And people yes. who like to spectate yeah. that kind of mess would do yes. so. And... I think it's most people. I think people enjoy drama unfolding before the rise that they personally don't have anything to do to to do with. Like I think most people don't like drama for themselves, but they love to watch it. And that's the reason why you know TMZ and you know all of these like all of these tabloids exist. People like to watch other people's lives fall into fucking bits. That that <laughs> I think was the conclusion that I came to when I was thinking about this. That yeah, it's exactly the same as celebrity gossip mags. And things like that, uh, going and muckraker journalists going and finding yeah. things about celebrities like, so that you're in some kind of weird parasocial relationship with. Um, so you can find out like, little things about how they're miserable in their marriages or something like that, right? Um, yeah. But now it's happening for everybody. Right. Because it's not that Twitter say you have to listen to this, but the interactions available on the platform are oriented around more people seeing the things that make you engaged so mm. that, so they did so likes used to be a measure of popularity now if you like something i see it uh, if you like something and a lot of other people like it i see it 
Now, that's a good point that, that even though we get to select who we follow, right? But Twitter the algorithm aren't doing gets that. to decide what you. Well, uh, and Twitter aren't responsible for who we get to select, but what Twitter are responsible for is the al- how the algorithm works and what and content from the people you follow what, it shows. What you. you're describing, right. this model of you follow who you want to and you see the things that you're interested in and your friends, is how Twitter worked in 2007. Everything that's happened since then has been a step away from that towards them manipulating what you get to see. Right? Um, the la- la- latest tweets rather than the home timeline, likes showing up on your thing, creating retweets in the first place, surfacing hashtags, all of this. I'm not saying it's necessarily an inherently bad thing, but everything they do, everything they're doing, everything they have done is to increase the amount of tweets that you wouldn't have seen that are already getting lots of engagement from other people and getting you to see them as well. Right, but I think we'd probably all agree that that's okay when uh, the... Mati- hang, on, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on, let me finish my thought. Okay. I think, like, part of the value of social media, I would argue, is that you get to see voices that you would never have ordinarily seen, right? And arguably, if the social media platform is able to show you content and material that you wouldn't have ordinarily seen then that's a good thing i think the i think the 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 good example like youtube is a social media platform right and i think they do generally a pretty good job of showing you content that you're interested in based upon what you've been watching recently and that's one of the things i love about youtube is that i end up watching all kinds of stuff i would never have seen never even thought of searching for and then i end up subscribing to those people's channels and now i'm getting lots of really good stuff shown to me but i think the objection is when you're shown stuff that's not particularly constructive, that's aggressive, that is just drama. So maybe the algorithm itself is not the problem. Maybe it's what they're actually showing you is the problem. I think this goes back to my, this is this is broken and we can't cope with it, is if you look at Stuart's analogy of you guys having a conversation in a pub, the algorithm knew that I was in bed at that time. And the next day, mm. well, maybe not knew that I was in bed, but knew I didn't have the app open. And the next day shows me snippets of that conversation that you guys had because it was favorited by someone, right? Yeah. Under normal circumstances in the pub, I wasn't there. I didn't see the conversation. Now, I might hear about it third hand from Dave, who was in the pub, and said, oh, you should have seen this conversation that these two guys had, and they were arguing about this thing. And I get a paraphrased version of it. And it's a story. It's an anecdote that people pass down from, you know, mouth to mouth down, down the ages. But with with social media, I get to see exactly the conversation as it happened eight hours ago while you two guys were in the pub. The next day, I'm getting to see it, and it's getting exposed to a whole bunch of people who weren't there at the time when you two were having the conversation. And so it is right. unnatural for you to be involved or for these people to be involved in the conversation you were having, which was a snippet in time for a small pool of people in a room. And I think that's what and that's, that's what's difficult for humans is that that's scaling up to suddenly your conversations are being exposed to a huge number of people and they're public is is something yeah. that's very alien for humans to deal with. That's something that stand-up comedians have been railing railing against for a long time <clears throat> is that they'll be in the middle of doing a gig and they'll make a joke and then someone will snip that joke out, write it down, and post about it on a news article or something like that, and. It, it it can look horrible written down, but outside of the you know outside of the context of the of the gig, but within the context of the gig, with all with all of the body language, 
it's it's a lot less you know aggressive or whatever and that's kind of what the thing the reason i keep saying the word engagement is because they're optimizing for something which causes a reaction not necessarily something that causes a good reaction or a positive reaction, just any reaction at all. You mentioned the thing that put it about you mentioned stand up comedians. These people are called Andy Kaufman. Oh yeah. Um oh, um younger listeners may not have heard of. <laughs> and to be honest with you, he was a bit before our time or uh, I was gonna say is I think we might be in that category. Yeah, to I, was a small say, sort of, I mean I've I, I never saw him live or anything, but I've read about him. And he would he would do things to get a reaction. So some of his stuff was observational comedy and so on but every now and again he'd do things like he'd go to a gig and then just sit there on the stage and not say a word for the whole gig and then people first of all they start thinking well this is a good joke and what's he doing and you get to the end of it you go no there just wasn't anything i just paid 22 dollars for nothing and then be really angry yeah. about it and he'd rate that as a success because people were getting people were feeling strongly about his work you know, I, yep. think, I, th I think this is the same um, sort of mental place that people who make shocking art are at least partially in. They're looking for a reaction. They're not necessarily looking for a reaction of admiration. Disgust is a pretty strong emotion. And, yep. that, and that, I think, social media stuff, because what they want is more eyeballs, the way to do that is to make people have strong reactions, but they don't care what the reactions are. If so, I think, and I'm not sure how to do this, which is, which is why I thought I'd bring it to you two as my conclusion. But I think what they ought to be doing is optimizing for positive reaction and not just reaction. Ordinarily, what do you mean or, by positive? What do you mean by what do you mean by positive reaction? Um. So you come away from Twitter feeling happier than you did when you when you started looking. Oh, so it's not necessarily positive discussion. It's no. that you could have a very contentious discussion. Like you, us, you and whenever I, we debate at the yeah. pub, we'd have a great time with that. We've spent 20 years, more than now, having... Bic bickering. Bickering, yeah. yeah, yeah. Having, <laughs> ha having tooth and nail arguments broken up by extended periods of bickering, right? And this is, this is not by anyone's definition a positive discussion. We disagree and we'd come away from the thing not having yeah. reached any agreement and thinking that you're bald wanker, for example. But, <laughs> but I didn't Ex come escalated quickly. I didn't come away from it for twenty years, man. But I didn't come. <laughs> I didn't come away. I don't come away from those things feeling depressed about the fact that I participated, or feeling more no. worried about the world than I did before. And that's what I mean by optimizing for some sort of positive engagement. And normally, you because there's no way of legislating for this. Like, I can't make this happen. But we're in charge. I think this is starting to happen now uh there are separate social networks that are building based on your followers who um are after a positive experience and you can you can name a few of them one our good friend mr lunduk is on locals and mm. um there's another one called voice.com uh patreon is similar and even OnlyFans, 
you could group all of these very similar in that people pay a subscription in order to be involved in your space. Um, and you, people outside that space can't comment. In some cases, they can't even see the content. Now you could, you could, uh, argue that these are bubbles, but these are bubbles of people who are having a good time and enjoying themselves and come away from it, There's having a conversation wrong with, that, with think, people yeah. and being better off for it and not necessarily seeing the whole public discourse, which includes all the shitheads arguing and trying to trigger each other and yeah. you know, trying to annoy people. So I think that's partly happening. And I, I've seen some people migrate away from the mainstream social media to these other platforms, partly as a source of income. And partly, I think they're just burned out and exhausted by all this relentless negativity that you, you mention and have these little bubbles of positive positivity. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Both of the points that both of you just made, because I think what you just said, Popey is, is a hundred percent right. And we all do it right. We, we all form our little groups. I mean, I'll give you an example. I've got a group. There's four of us. Well, five of us. We call ourselves the Dads of Metal. And before coronavirus, we just go out to gigs in San Francisco. And there's only the five of us. There's plenty of other people we know who could be part of our group, but we've decided that we don't want them in the group because we like our little group. Um, and I think that's how it's quite natural for people to form, right? Like people like to form into groups. And like you say, it keeps the shitheads out, but also it keeps the conversation focused on or the style of conversation focus, like the people in, in our little dads of metal group, it's not just because we like music, it's because we're all of a similar kind of personality, a similar kind of sense of humor. Um, but also, I wonder what you said, Ak, about having a positive, that's a really interesting idea. Like, what would a positive experience look like? So to give another example, I personally love watching debates on YouTube. Um, I just watched one actually the other day, which was um, one of the monk debates on political correctness. Um, and they had two different sides, two people on each of the sides. Stephen Fry was in it, Jordan Peterson. Um, I forget this other guy, Michael Dyson and, and somebody else. And it was really interesting to watch that. But my wife, Erica, she doesn't like that kind of stuff. Like she'd much rather watch other kinds of content. So we'd get very different levels of positive experience out of that. In fact, when she sees contentious debates, sometimes it makes her feel stressed. She deals with enough of this shit at work. So how do we measure that? Like, what would we measure in the positive experience? Because it could be contentious discussion. Well, you've gone back to the very initial thing that I said, which is local. And your five mm. metalheads, metal dads, yep. are local. You're all in the same physical geographic location. You have a common interest, whatever that might be. You may have multiple common interests, probably beer or gin in your case, and yep. enjoying a certain style of music. You're probably of a similar age. And so you you have a bunch of common interests, same as the Linux user group, bunch of people with common interests, Linux and beer. I see there is a pattern here. But <laughs> you know, that I think I think that's where it should go. And if I was gonna enforce uh anything as I'm now god of social media, I would make it impossible for you or really hard for you to see any content that's outside your geographic region. I would make it very hyper local. So your social media stream would be 
Mrs. Miggins down the road whose cat's gone missing. And it would be, the road is closed down there because there's been a flood. And it would be more local and less of the peripheral. Maybe It could maybe show you global stuff, but that would be way less frequent. And you're more focused on the stuff nearby. You think that, that's, Do you think it needs to be geography? Well, that's what I was just about to say. I, I, I don't feel. I mean, I like my city, but the, uh, but the people I'm told to here, I'm told to because they're my friends, not because they happen to be in Birmingham. I'm closer to the two of you than I am to the people who live next door to me, and Jono's eight thousand miles away or whatever, right? Um, so, yep. but so being tied together as a community of interest. I think it's a good idea. I, I don't necessarily think that should be geographical, but I think it should be something. I mean, there have been sort of faltering attempts at this sort of thing before. I mean, things like um, Mastodon instances are this, circles in Google Plus were kind of this, and we've seen a few apps which tend to be a bit flash in the pan and then die away, where um, people join up and then you use them to send anonymous compliments to people on the app, which I think is a wonderful idea. You get a thing, and yeah. you know it's from someone you know, but you don't know who it's from, and it says, um, I thought you looked really nice today, or um, that was a really smart yeah. thing you said earlier, or um, I like what it is you do, or your art is great, or something like that. And it's just a little boost. And those things are deliberately optimised for let's make you feel happier let's keep you in touch with people who share interests with you i think this comes back to the thing Pope, you said right at the beginning that we're not geared up for a global conversation on every subject because we're not really designed to handle the idea of constant argument anyway and then you add into that mix the small but extremely effective number of people who are deliberately trying to cause arguments to watch the world burn um, to the, uh, you know, and the last few years have demonstrated the success of this particular tactic, and <laughs> uh, and maybe yeah, what we want is we shouldn't have Twitter, you know. <laughs> well, not allowed to say that. Remember, yeah. Uh, well, is it surely you, <laughs> you just want to get rid of the shitheads? Surely you just want to get rid of the negative people. There, there is um. You can't come up with um, an effective bright line test for for someone who's a shithead. So there are um, ways and means of keeping shitheads out of the pub. Like, if you collectively agree that Jeff is a shithead, you can stop Jeff coming in the pub. And yes. you can stop Jeff using your social media network. Yes. Um, and what we're seeing there is um, basically Twitter get to decide. And I'm... Well, that's the current way of doing it. We're gods now. We could yeah, we are gods. a new moderator policy. We could have a system, for example, where moderators are voted in, uh, where we choose who the moderators are. Can't be, can't be done. I do not believe it is possible to come up with a way of moderating shitheads out because not everyone agrees on who shitheads are. Well, they can Which go may, to we, their we, own pub then. Right, exactly. And that's the point. At that point, what we're saying is you can't have one Twitter with everyone on it. You have we have a bunch of separate ones. Well, which you can I'm still have one with. Twitter. You just have your Moon Underwater, and I have my Prince of Wales. Uh, yeah, having having um, 
uh, 50 separate silos, which are all on Twitter.com, is the same as having 50 separate Twitters. Not really. In well, my opinion. Reddit, is not, Reddit is not a bunch rooms. of different Reddits. It's it's a bunch of subreddits. I mean, Reddit, I think, is actually an interesting example because it's kind of what Popey's talking about is, as a general rule, most subreddits that I go to are generally fairly well-behaved if they're well-moderated and they you, have a topic. Well, what's interesting about that is, yeah, I kind of agree with you because all the subreddits I read aren't on contentious topics. And Reddit, importantly, don't show me things from subreddits I'm not part of. And I never look at our all. Ever. No, no, no one does. Right, exactly. That's And that's the point. Twitter only has our all. But even in contentious (laughs) subreddits, even in contentious subreddits, like, for example, I... I, uh, I'm a member of the politics subreddit, which is very contentious. Uh, generally, the the discussion's quite well behaved. The problem with it, and this is a problem with 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 um, Reddit, is that people who have a dissenting view, if it's politely communicated, will often get downvoted to shit and back. So you tend to get a bit of a hive mind. But I don't think you can get away from that in any community, frankly. Well, you can if it's smaller. You can't have a hive mind. Yeah. There's only ten of you in the pub. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, one thing we're talking about here, then, is making Twitter more like GeoCities, <laughs> kind of like different areas. Well, like, I, I, there was a social, it's very difficult to call it a social media thing. It was called Trepia, T-R-E-P-I-A, and it started maybe 15, 16 years ago, and it, it, this is before smartphones, and you install it on, it was only a Windows client. And I installed it here in this house in Farnborough. And it shows you people who are geographically near to you. Now, bear in mind, no smartphones. so And it's using GOIP 15 years ago. So it was a bit <laughs> shit. But uh, I did a search and it said there was someone in the next town over in Aldershot. And then the next nearest person was Iceland. And the next nearest person was <laughs> New York, right? So there weren't many people on this thing. But I did connect with this guy and I actually went for a barbecue round at his house. He lives just in the next town over. And I met him. And long after that service shut down, I stumbled on his account on Twitter. And now... We follow each other on Twitter, and we talk to each other on Twitter now and then. But yeah. it can work. It didn't work 15 years ago when GIP and location-based stuff was not very good. But it can work that you can have hyper-local, uh, similar uh, thinking people in the same place in a room without all the shitheads, I think. Well, and the other I, thing I as well is... I don't see that... How would you have stopped someone showing up to that community who happened to live in Reading, who then constantly started arguments about things? Well, what I do mean, you do in a you, pub? You go and sit somewhere else. But the point is, uh, is uh, that what, what, in the, what, in the, what, what happens is if it carries on and the people who run the pub won't help you, what you do is you go and you play to the landlord, right? You say to, you, you say to whoever runs the pub, that bloke's really annoying. And if the landlord goes, yeah, you know what? The, 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 the um, person who runs the pub goes, that, yes, they are really annoying. I don't want people in here constantly starting arguments. I'm going to bar them. Then you're good. Otherwise, what happens is you get driven out of your pub and it becomes a pub where arguments happen. Yeah, but importantly, the 
the number of the likelihood of getting somebody who's going to come in and just deliberately start being a dick and starting arguments is much lower in that kind of setting, right? The problem we got with social media is there aren't consequences. Is that anyone can go onto Twitter and just be a complete arsehole to people, and there is no consequences. The worst thing is that they get blocked, and then they use that for their own virtual signal towards their own crowd. Aha, they blocked me. I'm getting through. So it's like, um, I think what Popey's talking about would reduce the incidence of negative conduct, probably. Because you've got 60 billion Twitters. Yeah. Each one of which is small. I mean, I, as I say, I'm not necessarily wedded to the idea of them being geographical. They're, they're communities of interest. But I see no reason why a community of interest wouldn't be Farnborough, in the same way that a community of interest might be birdwatching or viscos or metal in the bay area (laughs) i think the problem is the moderation system on social media right now is a hidden computer box somewhere whereas what i'm suggesting is that the moderators are humans that we know like the landlord of the pub is a person you can walk up to and tell jeff is being a shit please get rid of him right whereas the process for getting rid of jeff from twitter is you press a button and hope that the magic voodoo that happens in silicon valley somewhere will get rid of him and figure out that he is a shit and he doesn't need to be here and i think that because we've lost the connection and it's just a algorithm we we don't we can't express ourselves to the algorithm that how much this pains us and this person needs to leave whereas it's very easy for you to remonstrate with the landlord and tell him. Yep. You know, something you said earlier on, Popey, that I thought was really interesting as well, when we were talking about the Dads of Metal example, is you said, it's not just one interest, it's not just the music. Um, And like, when I think of that as an example, yeah, like we're all, we all work in tech. We all live in the Bay Area. Um, um, And three of the- Did you all used to work for Canonical? No. (laughs) And three of the four or five of us- um, are from England and Scotland. So um, oh, well, I was trying to work out who the other four people are. And I've probably got three of them. But okay, carry yeah. On. I, 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 this is not a secret. I just don't think anyone's going to have heard of them. No, you, no, no, you know all not. of them. Yeah, I was just trying um, to work out. Well, but okay. I think that's a really uh, that's a really good point. That uh, I know we talked a lot about Twitter, but with Twitter, it's not very easy to identify like what your interests are. And then to be able to connect with similarly like-minded interests. You can't even do that very well on, on Facebook. And Facebook, you can share a lot more about. Here's the thing which is important about that. Twitter are trying to do things with interests. Not only, we talked about this on the show a while back, how it gives you a list of your interests. One of ours was egg, for reasons that nobody <laughs> understands. But also, it keeps showing me little things saying, um, it, it happens in the um, the Twitter mobile app. It doesn't happen um, on my desktop because I use TweetDeck. But... Um, yep. in the in the Twitter mobile app, Twitter, the mobile web app, it keeps showing me a little list of here are interests you should follow, and I will never pick one, even though it's done a reasonably good job of picking things that I'm interested in. I have no intention of picking them because I do I do not trust Twitter to show me things I would be interested in. I think they'll show me things that I would be interested in that drive up engagement and money for them. They're not optimizing for me. They're optimizing for me and them together. And I'm just not interested in it. So I keep saying no to that and ignoring it. And I, of, co- I, of course they're optimizing for you and them. Isn't that the point? No. The point is to optimize for me. 
And so you it, are expecting a social media company to put all of their self-interest aside completely and to only have interest in their in, No, in no, you. this is not a problem with social media. This is a problem with the way the universe is. I'm not suggesting there's a fix for this. I'm just saying that, yeah, I don't You're want... fucking I, right about that. I, 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 I don't want to say, okay, I will let you curate my interests. I'd rather do it myself, even if that's potentially less efficient, because then I know it will be right. Doesn't that... <laughs> I mean, I, I get why you're doing it, right? It's it's in the same way that if I ever buy anything, when we I used to go to shops before coronavirus, if they ever asked for my phone number, it's like, absolutely not, I, right? Because I don't want to get locked into their I, thingy. I, I don't even think this is about, this is not a personal information privacy thing. This is, imagine if a thing popped up for you and it said, uh, read stuff about metal. Yeah. Right? Would you go, yeah, I'm interested in that? I'd, yes. Would you? Because I think what yes. they do is they go, okay, we're not going to show you metal bands we think you'd like. We'll do some of that, but we'll also show you metal bands that are popular. And so you'd get, you'd be reading this thing, you go, why is it showing me a bunch of stuff about Limp Biscuit and Nickelback? They're not even metal at all. But I think if they started doing that, people would, would move away from Twitter. I think what they're trying I to do is they're trying to. I wildly disagree with you. Especially no. since I think you, I, you won't know I why think, you get to see a thing. I think. I sure, but I think that as they, they've got a, there's got to be enough of a match for people to keep using it, right? In the same way that it's not totally with, useless. I like just... with a good example is is is, go, is Google News, right? Like it's learned what kind of news I I like to read, and generally when I wake up in the morning, I open up the Google News app. Most of the stuff in there is stuff I'm interested in, but I've had to teach it that, and it's matched it fairly well. I think Twitter are trying to do that, but um, you know. We're getting towards the end of this show. Um, we've, I think we've come up with a few things. One is that breaking people into subreddits for Twitter kind of thing yeah, is one option. Being more local is a good thing. Um, figuring out a way to meet people who have got similar kind of interests. I, I'm surprised with how much we've come up with. I was expecting nothing. To I, be honest I with feel you. like this is doing to social media what breaking up AT&T did. <laughs> You know, next time someone says, um, maybe we should break up big tech or big social media or whatever, I might listen to them more than I might have done beforehand. Because this when feels... break up AT&T, you're left with what? Comcast? <laughs> I'm not Ooh. saying it works. I'm saying it's the same <laughs> oh, principle. <okay. laughs> but yeah, no, I, yes. I, I think, yeah, I'd be more more prepared to listen to people suggesting this sort of thing in the future maybe well and 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 kudos to you mr pope because i think you set this off on the right foot because i'd never really thought about it really is about scope isn't it whether that's regional or whether that's interests it's about it's not like everyone's being thrust into this giant public space and everyone's just yelling it past each other or at each other and it just doesn't it's not working and Mm. i think people are getting tired of it like you know i'm not sure if our listeners have done this but if anyone's not if you if you ever take like a two-week break from social media it is reinvigorating (laughs) i i I tell you there must be if you're zuckerberg or jack dorsey or whatever Having to wake up every morning and think, okay, I created this thing and the whole world's on board, and what they call it is doom scrolling, must be a pretty dark mirror to look into, (laughs) right? To think, wow, I did this to people. Is it possible that the whole industry I created is a net negative? This is like being the bloke who invented CFCs. 
or the bloke who invented leaded petrol, both of whom were the same <laughs> bloke, by the way. <laughs> I was on uh, Telegram the other day, and someone said, uh, there was a, a link to Twitter posted, and someone said, I don't understand Twitter. And at the time, I was like, it's a website, you idiot. There's loads of people posting <laughs> stuff. How can you not understand this? Just look at it, for fuck's sake. And I got a bit, like, <laughs> annoyed and uh, intolerant. And then someone said, have you ever tried logging, looking at Twitter when you're not logged in? If you don't log into Twitter, it's a, it's a it really punches you in the face quite badly if you right. open Twitter and you're halfway through a conversation. It really doesn't like you browsing around and having a good old look around like, um, you know, Alta Vista or Deja News <laughs> or something like that. It doesn't like Alta you just, just being a wow. passive consumer. It really wants you to get on board with the platform. And I didn't appreciate that quite so much, how much it tries to suck you in. And I think that is part of the problem is you get sucked in to these conversations with people and sucked into yeah. caring about the lives of someone you'll never meet. And in normal it's circumstances, addicting, yeah. you wouldn't have met. Um, and, yeah. and I think, yeah, the thing which has become interesting in the last 10 years, really, we started to see studies about it, is that it is actually addicting. That's not like a throwaway yeah. phrase. It's deliberately, no, it really explicitly is. triggering your addiction centers. Things like loot boxes in games and the way social media works. It's designed to trigger the same things that addiction to substances does. And the idea that this is an explicit policy, or possibly, uh, if you're giving them the benefit of the doubt, an unknowing policy. They didn't sit down and go, let's make a thing that's addictive because it makes us more money. They've sat down and gone, hey, if we do this, it works, and people get engaged, that's great, without ever realising that the reason it works is because they're working the same way that addiction does. And that's, that's only if you're feeling positive. If you're feeling negative, then it was a deliberate malicious plan. And I don't know how I feel about that. Depends on which day you ask me. <laughs> but... But I certainly agree that it, it is actually that way. I do wonder whether 20 or 30 years from now, people will be having discussions like we started having in the 80s and 90s about how early um, tobacco manufacturers knew about lung cancer oh, and God. how early um, petrol manufacturers knew about how the effects of lead in petrol and about global warming. And it turns out that they knew that they knew thirty years before everybody else and didn't say anything. And you do wonder whether people will be sitting there doing the post mortem on the early part of the twenty first century and going, Well, a lot of it was dominated by social media, but that all really started to fall apart in twenty twenty three when the report was published showing that the people who built social media knew of its addicting properties in two thousand and eight and never said anything. <laughs> you know. Oh, this is starting to sound like conspiracy theory bullshit. We're gonna have to throw them out of the I'm not allowed. I'm now ba I'm now banned from from me you're now from banned. mini you've been, twitter <laughs> you've been moderated out uh, by the way before we wrap up jeremy um I did have some opinions on this i want to relay them uh you know bearing in mind of course that jeremy is well researched and well reasoned he said um uh he said hang on uh, can i add that if i was in charge of all social media networks i would ban zuckerberg that's it. Uh, and then he and then grow this beard and he had a picture of Jack Dorsey. So, yes, thank you for your insightful contribution, Jeremy. Yes, very kind. Um, 
a brief, a brief thank you to three people. Um, one of them is uh, Dave Two for pointing out the that Twitter Spaces are not Facebook Spaces, so Jono doesn't get a point for it. <laughs> <laughs> The second one is Marius Quabeck from NerdZoom Media, who yes. is our Marius um, is amazing. Our fantastic audio editor and everything. Go to nerdzoom.media because they're great. And the third one is Mr. Pope for joining Aww. us here on the show. It Thank you for been... inviting me. It's always lovely to chat with you guys. Uh yeah. It's great. Thank you. Yeah. We always enjoy having you on. Um so well, let's I... hope that Jeremy um sleeps in more often <laughs> so um I, I i would say um we'd be very interested in hearing about um what you think about this topic but i'm not sure how you tell us come to yeah. the pub and tell us <laughs> come to the pub i'm perfectly happy with that let's do that <laughs> oh i can't wait can't wait i missed the pub. all right yes i i uh, it's been over a year since i've stood in a room having a beer with somebody it's just not pleasant so alright uh, I think we're done thank you Popey it was great to see you thank You're you everybody welcome. for listening and we'll see you on the other side yeah.